Hello, everybody. Um, Morning. A very special preamble for you today. Take it away, Mr. Fort. This is the story of Hetty Maghetti. Hetty Maghetti. She really loves spaghetti, which she cut with a machete. She had an Auntie Betty who was somewhat fretty. She married Mr. Maghetti and honeymooned in the Serengeti. On the trip, they got somewhat sweaty, which led to a lot of regretty. The couple were somewhat indebty, but still paid for photos from Getty. I mean... Bravo, sir, bravo. Blow Let's, me uh, away. Blow me away, that one, actually. <laughs> Let's... Uh, should we get on with it? Let's do it. <laughs> You're listening to The Real Reading Podcast. Hello. Hello. I'm Hugh Ford. I'm Rachel Nemeth. <laughs> and I'm Tom Canning. And welcome to episode 101 of the Real Reading Podcast. Uh, you can like us on Twitter at Real Reading Pod and search Real Reading Podcast Group to join us on Facebook. I'm not even sure I want to edit that long pause out because people just need to know how useless you are, Hugh, at doing that. Having done a hundred, having done it a hundred and one times, you still can't do it. It's ridiculous. Yeah. <laughs> he was so busy basking in the glory yes. of his poetry oh, that he it's just... It's <laughs> gone straight to his head. <laughs> yeah. um, I'll explain about the poetry in a moment. Uh, but in the meantime, uh, just let you know what we've got on this week. We've got a view of some of the week's headlines. We've got Thames Valley Police continuing to look for a new home. Uh, homeless pods coming to a Reading car park. And we will ask a few deep Reading FC questions of, of this week's guest host, Paul Mann from Elm Park Royals. Hello, Paul. Hi, Hugh. Hugh, Tom. Yeah, me. Wow, it's that right. just blew me away. That poetry so much. It's hit me hard. It's hit my, like, my heart is just, oh, it's melted. <laughs> and, you, and, and I know you've, you've had you've had issues in that area, haven't you? So you, you've got to be a little bit careful. I have. I have. I'm a heart transplant patient. And uh, I will be informing my doctor about that, Hugh, because <laughs> it's just incredible. It's taking it to another level. I think oh, I've got I'm not going to get, I'm not gonna get a, a letter, am I? A solicitor's letter, so <laughs> blaming me. <laughs> Incredible work. Should have signed a disclaimer. <laughs> um, this week's big interview is with Martin Edwards from Caversham Lakes uh, an exciting idea that I know uh, and just looking on the social media Rach I know your husband is eagerly awaiting for uh, oh, eagerly awaiting he, he is so keen he well, tell me a little keen. bit about Caversham Lakes oh um, yeah I mean I saw it on a, a local Facebook page because it, well, it's obviously very local to us in Caversham so I know they already do boating and stuff down there but apparently they've opened one of the lakes for open water swimming and there's a beach um, I think there's some like food shacks and a little bar wow um, 
like when we were talking a couple of weeks ago about staycations because we can't go anywhere like, where would you holiday in reading well now we've got a blimmin beach can you believe there it you <laughs> so you can um you can update that article we got a lot of grief for about beaches within an hour or two hours of uh, of reading you can update it to beaches within 10 minutes of reading yeah yeah well apparently um if you walk along the Thames, if you go over the Weir and turn left towards Tesco's, it's Thames beaches there oh, on really? the map. I've, there's no beach, but that's what it's called. <laughs> so you can add that one in as well. I, I, um, I already know. Um, I already know Hugh's answer to this question. But Paul, are you a beach man? Yeah, yeah, I do like. I prefer more the natural beaches. I tell you why I really like beaches, and that's in Norfolk. They are really nice. The ones up there, I love that because my girlfriend's from Norfolk and just so open the space is you get a real mixture you get ones with woods next to it as well so it's a really nice place right sorry i feel like i interrupted you there right you were you were about to continue oh sorry yeah um so there's a beach there's a food shacks um yeah so rich i mean he's quite a keen swimmer and was a bit sad when all the pools shut so he's all over this he's got to get some uh, equipment first you've got to <laughs> you've got to be prepared if you're going to go and swim there um i think ideally you'd wear a wetsuit um but if you're brave enough not to you have to wear um i think he called it a tow float which he described to me as being the red thing that David Hasselhoff carries in Baywatch. Right. Okay. So I think he's just trying to emulate the Hoff. Um, I don't. Why wouldn't <laughs> you want to do that? In fairness, well, um, and he's got to get a swimming hat as well, which seems he's 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 quite particular about his hair. So I'm not quite <laughs> sure how wearing um, a latex <laughs> swimming hat is going to go down, but. You know, safety first, because you know, if you get into yeah. any trouble, you want them to be able to see where you are. This is true. Yeah, so um, he's quite keen to get down. Well, so am I, to be fair, because like get rid of having him for a, a couple of hours. Four-year-old. Mm. Well, yeah, but Zach would love it down yeah. on the little beach, and they can great. paddle and stuff. So it sounds really good. Um, we will find out a bit more about Caversham Lakes later on uh, when I speak to Martin from Martin Edwards. Um, in the meantime, here is Jeremy with how you can get in touch with us. Get in touch with the team. Email hello at realreadingpodcast.co.uk Find us on Twitter and Instagram at realreadingpod and join our Facebook group by searching Real Reading Podcast. Thanks, Jeremy. Um, our sort of fluffy piece this week focuses on something Hugh did ages ago, which was, I think it's called 39 Lost Icons of Reading. Um, which I think you, you're going to tell us a little bit about. Um, but and I know you, I think you're pulling together something new on it. Uh, I thought we'd see if we could get a couple of new ones for you from around the group. Uh, although we, I want to pull you up on the idea that uh, Cow Lane Bridge is a lost icon. I don't think anyone misses <laughs> Cow Lane Bridge. Um, yeah, I, I did. Uh, I wrote this piece before the uh, the new bridge opened. So. Right. <laughs> yeah. So. Uh, Maybe I was club, maybe getting a bit desperate towards the end of the list. I can't, I can't remember, but it's a big. It is a big list. I, I, I enjoy that. List, yeah. I remember. I seem to remember on the podcast we did something about it before because we were talking about Bar Oz and the fact it flooded semi regularly. Um, but oh, I, a dreadful place. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Paul is is Bar Oz the where you frequented? One. It was yes by the station. 
Yeah, no, it wasn't somewhere. Baroz was not on my hit list of um, inebriation. <laughs> now, I have to say, not really. Uh, there are other uh, establishments which I uh, preferred in Reading. Thinking of the icons in Reading Place, I remember growing up, was in uh, Harris Arcade, and you'd go into the indoor market, and you'd have to go through a little curtain, and you'd go upstairs, and there was a cafe. Hang on, right. Paul, can I just stop you there? Where are we going through a curtain? What, what, yeah, well, yeah. Okay. Yeah, steady. Okay. okay. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> it's okay. It's a cafe. And you used to go upstairs and you can look out over the indoor market through one side and through the other side. It was completely murky. It was uh, like a cafe you see in EastEnders. It was amazing chips in there. I was just talking to my friend who I met up with. And she remembered it really well. It was in the 90s, but it seems to be forgotten completely. But I loved it. And I think I've built it up in my head now to be this <laughs> incredible place. What was the indoor market, Paul? Where was oh, that? Yeah, Paris Arcade. Was it? Yeah, yeah, yeah. It was definitely there. Wow. Yeah, yeah. yeah that's a different that. place. Different world, isn't it? Yeah. It is. <laughs> not remember that. Yeah. I just um, assumed all the shops in Harris Arcade have been there forever. Yeah, yeah. No, no, there was a little one there, and you used to be able to go in there and go upstairs. Yeah. Oh well. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Um, Rach, was it, is there anything anything you what you wanted to add? Well, I, are we talking buildings here? Well, I, th I think I don't, don't think it has to be buildings. I'm going to throw a controversial one in. I think. Um, do you know? I don't actually know what its real name was. Um, but on Forbury Road, where Yale is now, we called it Castle Grayskull. Oh, right. <laughs> Do you know the one I mean? The one the, that was the on the roundabout? Box. The metal box. Yeah, the metal box. Yeah. Yes. Castle Grayskull. I went uh, swimming yeah. in there once as a kid. Did you? <laughs> yeah. What I used to live my neighbours used to live there and there was an indoor swimming pool and uh, I used to go there on a Saturday and go swimming in the pool. Oh, my God. Yeah. Yeah, it is, isn't it? It's weird, isn't it? This That's part's crazy. all about swimming, isn't it? There's a lot of swimming. Yeah. It is. Uh, it's all about the water. Yeah. I'm not saying you have... I'm not saying you haven't read the story, Rachel, but the mailbox is in there. But so, uh... I mean, obviously, I read everything you write, obviously. Yeah. Particularly Just... stuff I read three years ago. Yeah. <laughs> and even I, when I... they pulled it down a few years ago, um, there it must have been, I think it was when Zach was tiny, and they had these massive, what would you call them? Like a demolition vehicle thing. But it had like a, I'm gesturing, which is really good podcast material because no one can yeah. see but like a big arm coming out and then like a grabby thing on the top and it looked like a dinosaur like a diplodocus was like crunching bits off the top we used to stand there for ages so he could just watch it <laughs> and me obviously yeah 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 <laughs> um hugh have you got any any new ones anything you can reveal to us any sneak peek into what's going on the list um Yes, just uh, I think Frost's the fishmongers might be going oh. there now. Um, yeah, because that's gone. I think since the uh, since I wrote it, um, there might be a few things coming off it as well um, that are a bit obscure. They're not iconic any anymore. <laughs> True. Yeah, they've fallen yeah. from consciousness. Reading Central Swimming Pool possibly is not <laughs> deemed to be iconic. No. Um, Oh. No, however, however, as uh, as you've mentioned on several occasions, the jump from the top board is. Yes, and we're true. back to yeah. water. 
everything circles back. I'll be honest, guys. It's a it's a hell of a lot better than when we talk about traffic. So true. Um, this is true. But yeah, there's uh, there's loads of stuff in them. There's something called the one of the um, one of the more curious ones is the Ace Club, which someone mentioned to me when I was researching it. I put it in, and it uh, I have to admit that no one knows anything about it. But it was <laughs> it was suggested, so it went in. Um, I wondered if Paul might be able to shed some light. He he looks as confused as the rest of us. So <laughs> no, unfortunately, uh, that doesn't mean anything to me. Um, sounds like a rather exclusive club that I wasn't allowed in. I don't think so. No. <laughs> it, was a jazz, it was a jazz club in uh, in Broad Street. That's all we know. Okay. Oh, okay. Talk, talking of jazz, I think the one, the, the one thing I really miss is the uh, the Real Ale and Jazz Festival that used to happen on uh, Christchurch. Oh, that was so fun. It was great. It always rained, though. It was always raining. It was usually in a night. It was usually sort of June, I think, if I remember rightly. And it was brilliant, but it always rained. And I don't, I'm not bothered by jazz or anything like that. It was just a terrific event with some great live music. And obviously, Can I go to that with you. You Can may you well have that? done. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, I do miss that. That was a that was a good event. That was uh, that was it. All right. Well, thanks, guys. Um, we will move on and we will have a chat about this week's news. Okay. In this week's news, um, Thames Valley Police, Hugh, are still looking for a Reading Town Centre base. Um, they've identified something in South Reading, was it, or Whitley? Yeah, they're... Um... They are moving to an office, I believe, that I very briefly worked in about 17 years ago <laughs> as, a te- as a temp. Um, it's getting kitted out and uh, redone and turned into a um, turned into the new police station. It's, it's quite close to um, the football stadium and the Tesco depot down Convenient. that way. Convenient. Yeah, and opposite the new uh, the new uh, retail part where Nando's is as well. I'm not saying that the police, you know chose it because it's Ninando, but <laughs> <laughs> just happens to be there. I mean, it'd um, be on my list of reasons to relocate. <laughs> yeah. Um, so, yeah, so they're looking to move there by next autumn. Um, and the plan has always been to uh, to have somewhere in town as well, like a front desk in town. So they've got a few uh, presents in town for people to go to see them rather than people trekking out to Whitley Way. Um but they can't seem to find anywhere. The talk was a, a year or so ago that it was going to be in the council, which makes sense. But um, that apparently has yet to turn into anything concrete. Um, and the latest they said was just, was just we're still looking. Um, and so they're very keen to do that, but it probably depends on whether there is a suitable building available. Um, has, has anyone been in the old police station? I, I never have. I've never had cause to uh, to, uh, to to visit. You have, Paul? <laughs> yeah, I have. I think I've been everywhere in Reading. I'm not <laughs> quite sure how I've managed this. I'd like to say I was not an, uh, under arrest. It was there as a guest. I actually played snooker in the uh, police uh, place in uh, Reading um, against my brother because my brother was working at the police station at that point. And uh, I took a good beating. And that was about the highlight of me being in Reading Police Station. That's a story none of us expected, isn't it? <laughs> we're, all, we're all good. Rachel, I presume you've uh, never been in trouble with the law. Well, I was going to say no, and then Paul's just triggered a memory. But um, again, never been arrested. Just put that disclaimer out. But I think that there's um, 
a social club, a police social club on the top floor. And yeah. my friend had her because one of her good friends is is still a police officer or um, inspector. Um, so she hired it out for her 30th birthday. I believe we all had to go dressed as school <laughs> in school <laughs> uniform. Hang on, hang on. <laughs> Back <Not>. up. <laughs> <laughs> and I'm, yeah. And actually, because uh, it's recently been her 40th, so um, all the pictures have been popping up on my Facebook <laughs> as a reminder. Yeah. I was you, skinnier and less tired looking uh, school girl <laughs> 10 years ago. <laughs> so obviously you have reporting wise, I presume. Yes, I have never been arrested either, and uh, but I have been in there a few times. The, the police say it's not fit for purpose. One of the reasons is it's far too big for what, what yeah. they are now. And um, it, yeah, I, went, I haven't been in there for a good few years, maybe maybe three years. And it was it's for, you know, it's very old fashioned, very sort of run down because because they've been trying to move for so long there's been very little investment in it um and it's very much a place that is out yeah it's 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 not fit for purpose and um i'm sure they're all very keen to move mm. um to a nicer smaller place um or to work it work out of town somewhere else but yes eventually it's going to be knocked down i think um as part of the uh the hosier street revamp that is proposed um which will completely transform that area because you know the the old council offices were there and they're gone now um and there's the magistrates court which I, i'm not quite sure but i think eventually will go but there's no we've never had any indication about what happened in in place of it whether it, whether it's moving it's just sort of on a very long-term list to to be knocked down again it's a pretty old pretty old mm. rough building um so that whole area eventually will be redeveloped and they've got the new development proposed for on top of the broad street mall that as well which is progressing um and so that whole area in should i be generous and say 10 years <laughs> should look completely different than it is now because it is it's one of the worst parts of Reading, isn't it? That that area by the back of the market and the and the Broad Street Mall car parks just run down and neglected, and there's nothing really there apart from the magistrates' court yeah. and the it police feels, station. It feels How will like the hexagon mess. factor into that? Do you think? Because it will just be left stood on its own. <laughs> yeah, the hexagon, the hexagon will. Again, there's this long-term project to try to find somewhere for a, a better theatre in Reading. Um, the prison being the main place that they talked about although that at the moment doesn't seem likely um the, the hexagon will will eventually close once this uh new theater has been identified and hopefully built rather hopefully they won't do what they've done with swimming pools and say we're getting some new ones and close all the existing ones leaving mm -hmm. no swimming pools again swimming pools <laughs> we're back on it again um <laughs> uh yeah but that that's that's way down the line the hexagon although facing bleak times at the moment um will hopefully return to its former glory for for a while yet before it, it does eventually close but nothing's been nothing's ever been set for any dates for the hexagon closing so it won't be any time soon i see 
Um, okay, so uh, the second story on our list was this idea of um, putting, uh, bringing these. They 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 call them pods. They're po- uh, like house housing pods for uh, for homeless people, and they're going to drop those into uh, Great Nolly Street. Into sorry, I forgot for a second what it was called. The Cattle Market Car Park, um, yeah. which is a car park I didn't even re- I didn't really even know about until a couple of years ago when we started working in that area of town and parking there on a regular basis. I mean it's it's sort of it's almost like a, a derelict space. A little bit I suppose when you go up to the Medeski and you park in some of the car parks up and around there. Um it's sort of a derelict space which just happens to be flat enough to allow cars to park on it. Um it's an interesting idea, isn't it, Hugh? Yeah, it is. Uh, these these are these are pods, um, temporary accommodation. Essentially, they've, when coronavirus uh, hit, one of the things council had to do was to to get as many people off the streets as possible to try to keep them safe. And um, on direction of the government, and as uh, as they had to do that, basically they're they're putting them up in bed and breakfast, which is extremely expensive. Um, and a few years ago, they built the uh homeless the accommodation for homeless families this was so people not people who sort of didn't have anywhere to live um and they built this accommodation in lowfield road caversham where to move them out of the bed and breakfast breakfast because it was so expensive um and that's been deemed success so these this is a similar sort of thing they're not going to be they're not going to look like the ones in lowfield road but they 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 are quick to build um and the council hopes they might be built by the end of the year. Um, quick to build forty, I think it is. I'm not. I'm not quite sure whether they're in that the massive space at the back of the car park, or possibly mm-hmm. even in another bit of land next to that. Um, it, uh, so it, it is. It is quite a big space. That's there. It is a big space. Yeah, and it, it should. I mean, it will reduce the capacity of the car park a bit. But um, yeah, that that back bit only really gets full if there's a really big auction at the, um, and the, uh, yeah. the auction place next to it. Um, most of the time on a normal day, it's, it's, it's just empty that part. So, um, so there's that. What's in a pod? How big is a pod? Is it I think it's sort of like a, a one, bedding, yeah, or? Yeah, it's like a one bedroom bed set of, and it's quite, you know, it's, I think they're quite luxurious. Even they're not, um, you know, it's not going to be horrible, temporary housing they'll be quite nice no um i'm just trying to think what you mentioned then about low field road that i walk up and down through caversham park fairly regularly so if i if it's where i think you're talking about they're kind of oh they look a bit like when at school we used to call them terrapins do you know what i mean yeah like the temporary buildings but they're sort of wood with wood facade the interesting thing is that we've had um We've had the actual meeting, uh, and it's been approved, so it is going to happen. The story we've got last week said it might happen, but these things tend to get approved. Mm-hmm. Um, and the story this week I've just read says that they can be moved, so they could be all be, mm-hmm. you know, right. the pods can be just uh, put onto another site once um, if the council, because the council did have a long sort of long term plan to try to uh, expand the car park to try to make a bit more money out of. Um, parking fees but this this pressing need to get homeless people out of these expensive bed and breakfasts has sort of trumped that um so it could be the case where the word temporary um is quite a generous term and they could be there for years and years mm-hmm. but um we'll have to wait and see on that one but it's, it's a good thing. 
hopefully it's not temporary like it was at the school I went to in uh, in Bracknell where they they just left them and you were getting taught in them until they literally fell apart <laughs> yeah temporary is a bit of a, it's a bit of a meaningless word really it can mean a few months or 10, 10 years plus obviously there there has been uh, a rise in in homelessness within reading it's you know you only have to walk down uh, walk through the town center to see it and you know I, it's 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 pretty easy to go on the internet and sort of see if you can find out what you could do or how you could help but um i, th I think you know help certainly from the from the council in, in putting these in is, is almost certainly a a good idea i think and um, i think the thing that always winds me up and i, f I feel like I, I want to just say this but the thing that always winds me up a little bit you see people people commenting um on on that idea and that particular story as well you know put them in, you know put them in the prison you know make the prison the prison's got space put homeless people in the prison and i feel like i've been watching too many sort of american president tv shows but i just think you've got to think about the optics of it because putting homeless people in a building that was a prison it just to me it doesn't really sit right i don't know whether anybody else thinks mm. that it's a yes it's a building with rooms but are we saying that it's all right to put people in a prison i just it just doesn't and besides the fact the council doesn't own the prison so they can't yeah, yeah. and it's probably an ideal yeah. setup with the but at the end of the day they are cells still yeah. and it's asking a person who already has difficulties in their life? Do do you want to go and sleep in a prison cell? For yeah, yes, yeah. I get what you're saying. Yeah, I, mean, I, I would. I would guess there'd be. I mean, when it, even when it was owned by the government, I would guess that there'd be major logistical issues to to make it habitable yeah. Um, yeah. because it's really old. It hasn't been used for anything since it closed in. It was a few whenever, years ago. Whenever it was, quite a long time. 2014, I think. Um, I could be wrong. Um, yeah, and to just say, oh yeah, let's just use it for homeless people on the assumption you can just sort of, you know, hold people up and march them in and everything will be fine. It's a bit unlikely and now it's privately owned and um, whatever plans for it are being developed, that is not going to happen. So you need these smaller, um, smaller sites um, like at the car park. The car park seems an ideal place to put something like that to be. Yeah. How do they get utilities and things to it, though? I mean, like running water and electricity and toilet facilities and things. I if don't it's know. In the prison, all those things are already there. They might need true. updating. Yeah. But I, I don't know. Terrapin in the middle of I, a car park. We have to be confident in our leaders. Standard of these pods, though, definitely. I mean, it's it almost feels a little bit like they're putting them in the spot so it gets rid of the issue, and just put them there. I mean. You're creating a community there. I think this is an opportunity for homeless people that we always see on the street and to kind of help them because they've predominantly got underlying issues which are deep-rooted. Yeah. Now is a chance to get to them on a daily basis and actually help them properly because being homeless is not an option that somebody makes. They don't suddenly say, I want to be homeless. People have a lot of judgment on them because mm -hmm. people. I see people making comments on Facebook pages, oh, these people are lazy. No, they're not lazy at all. These people are in a terrible position and it could happen to me and you or anyone else listening to this. Mm. People should remember that when they're making these comments. It's yeah. just horrible. And saying, yeah. talking about putting them in a prison, 
is that really the association tom it's a horrible yeah. link isn't it yeah it's all i i just yeah. I'm not i'm not comfortable with that anytime i see that i just if there was a way of sort of just like hitting someone over the head vi virtually on facebook and just going seriously then that would be that would be ideal but yeah uh, it's an almost impossible spiral to get once you're at that rock bottom yeah. and you're living on the streets how how do you even begin to sort of claw your way back from that so i want you know if they're living in in this community like paul said and uh, in these pods is yeah, it's, it's almost impossible to get a job, isn't it? If you're because they want addresses and so, and so so if they're in these pods, would that maybe be a step to help with that? That it's it's I don't know whether it would count as a permanent address enough to get employment yeah. and things. I don't know. Um, right, let's let's just move on. I just wanted to just end that by just saying, um, of course, Reading has some amazing homeless charities uh, and, and volunteers and, and people doing some amazing work. You've got uh, new we beginnings. We went there, didn't we? We did. We did. Um, oh, we, went to we went to Launchpad um, there in Merchant's Place near uh, everyone's favourite shed. Um, you've got, <laughs> you know, and this is just just a, a small sample. You've got St Mungo's uh, on Willow Street, and you've got New Beginnings at the Queen's Arms on Great Nolly Street. I've been into the new beginnings charity and, and interviewed yeah. and you wonder if um sorry tom i don't mean to interrupt but you wonder if they 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 uh, they're thinking is that, that site is suitable because it's also very near that um queen's yes. head uh, homeless cafe yes which um, is uh, run by grace gomez uh, yes. and that and it's a terrific little place they've got there so um, yeah you're, you you may well be right there hugh i've just looked as well at the the latest story and uh it says that there'll be 24 hour support on the site for people who are who are staying there so okay. it's not like they just, they'll, they'll just be left to their own to their own devices there will be there'll be Support. people to look after them and help them great okay um paul we are moving the focus to you um i read a headline this morning on the tilehurst end which uh i was just i was going to ask you just first the the there's there's a lot of um there's a lot of reading fan sites now you you are one of them um you've recently launched a, an elm park royals website as well and i think you have a magazine is that right yeah we have a fanzine it's an online yeah. one uh, yes yeah we definitely do have that it's um yeah we'll see how that goes yeah <laughs> and and there's obviously uh you've got the you've got the reading chronicle and you've got our own jonathan Lowe. um do you get on with all these guys yeah, definitely. Who can get on with J-Lo? The man's a legend, <laughs> isn't it? How can you not like Jonathan? I mean, I can't even... How well, can you make that suggestion yeah. not to, Tom? I'm going to well. have to have a chat with him. I'm going to be straight in the DMs when we get on <laughs> <laughs> Um... But but I saw this uh, just just sort of thinking about reading. Obviously, disappointing end to the season. Um, I, there's a, there's a, there's an opinion piece written by uh, a chap called Ollie Allen on the Tyler's end. Um, I, I read it, and I, I mean, as an outsider looking in, the the headline on this piece is "This summer needs to be a hard reset at Reading." Mm. Um, something that I you know, as I say, as a as a football fan, but not a not a Reading fan necessarily myself, feels like something that probably needs to happen. Would you Would you agree? What 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 have you made of the last? season because we've got two former reading season ticket holders uh with us here today as well so yeah emphasis on former and i don't sorry. Blame you. <laughs> i don't blame you yeah, at sorry, all. Yeah. i can totally say I'm, no I'm, no, horribly I'm the i'm the fool who keeps on going <laughs> i was there it's, for the glory days <laughs> oh hang yeah, on. Too, yeah. now <laughs> No, I think everyone, I think the whole world's having a hard reset now, isn't it? With COVID, yeah. it's inevitable. 
Now, financially at Reading, it's just a mess. Multiple owners, um, overspending, too much money on wages. It's a textbook for every football club has, really, that's trying to get to the Premier League and hasn't achieved it. COVID is going to bring in the reality because transfer fees are going to come down massively, you would expect. There's no income from matches because nobody can go to matches. I just find it hard to believe that we're not going to have a mass selling spree. But our owner seems to defy all logic when it comes to money. He's an incredibly rich man, a multi-billionaire. I don't really know what his mindset is. He seems to have a good kind of... He wants to do well for the club, but some of his financial decisions are not with the best forward planning, but with a good intent. So it's really hard to criticise him when he's actually means well for the club. We've had owners before who've been really not had that. And I think it's going to be a really tough summer. We say they're always at Reading, but I honestly think this is going to be the toughest one for a long time. And I would say for the next four or five years, we're going to find it really, really hard. And staying in the Championship is our goal. I was going to say, I feel like every single summer, there yeah. are two things that Reading, Reading fans talk about. One is a hard reset, and two is we need to buy a striker. And, <laughs> yeah. uh, I, you know, I, I I, still follow the team. I don't, get, I don't get to matches anymore, but I still always keep an eye out for the results and what's happening. But um, I just feel like finishing slightly above the relegation zone every single year it's not, not going to drive certainly not going to drive anyone new new towards the club is it and it's only it's only going to keep the hardcore um hardcore support who will go every week no matter what um there's there's no desire for anyone to pop along and see a game because it's usually a relegation scrap in the other other relegation scrap or get getting hammered by one of the better teams so uh, it's difficult times um for the club and uh i think there probably will be something of an exodus this this summer um it, despite what the owner says i think the best players will either want to leave or be sold so rach what would will, will other clubs be in the same situation do you think where they can't afford to buy anyone yeah i think that's the what will actually keep us up is the fact yeah. the other clubs are in such a dire position and the teams that have come up like wickham have come up and realistically, I'd put a massive bet on them finishing bottom right now because financially they have no money. Um, their style of football, all kinds of things. But there's Luton, Barnsley, Rotherham. Oh, I think they're all finished below us. Yeah, I can say that with large amounts of confidence right now. Yeah, so we're old, staying up enough, say, 18th next season for Reading probably. Yeah, it's always the old, this is what I always say to Jonathan, it's always, there's always three worst teams and that's uh, <laughs> yeah. that's what we kind of bank on every year. <laughs> that's, that's not really, that's not really good enough though, is it? That, that's not going to bring the, I was just going to say, Rach, what would make you go yeah. back? And I'm sure, and finishing 18th every season would not make you spend your hard-earned cash on a season ticket again. No, I mean, there was a few reasons why I, I stopped going. It, it's a few years ago now, but sort of the main one was when I, I had Zachary, basically. I couldn't just chip off every other Saturday, especially because Rich <laughs> works in retail as well. So I'm not sure a newborn would be all right on their own at home for the, for the day. Um, but aside from the logistics, it was just so boring to watch. And if you're going to watch your club and... Sometimes they're incredible and they they pull out an amazing win and they play beautiful football and you just think, yeah, this is my this is my team. 
And then one week they do a bit rubbish and they lose and you think, oh, but yeah, you know, but we'll pull it back next week and we'll have it. But when you're just going every single week and you're watching them play from the back and then they'll pass it forward to the midline and then it comes back to the keeper, back to the mid, over and over again, no goals. (laughs) (laughs) And you just think, "I, I can't, I can't be paying out all of this cash every week to watch the same thing over and over again which is maybe you know i probably had a season ticket for 10 years i think so i was loyal <laughs> you know i wasn't just there for <laughs> the 106 year that was and then chipped off i was i was there for a, a good amount of time but it just wasn't enjoyable anymore so, yeah the home form's a major I mean, issue Home forms, we just, in our last season, we had our most home defeats in 100 years of Football League history. <laughs> so, <laughs> yeah, that is just horrible, isn't it? I mean, if you've got that kind of basis of fans going, let's forget the COVID world, and that's all they see is the home matches, why would you go? Mm. I mean, I totally understand why people have stopped going. It makes sense. And people have different priorities. I understand yeah. that. Paul, um with everything that's going on, do you, and obviously the the ground being a bit out of town, what what do you think? Would, the club are doing bits and pieces. There's there's the food market. There's there's bits. What would do? You, but what do you think would actually make a difference aside from the obvious team winning every week? What what do you think would start to make a difference and get people interested? Because it just strikes me that people aren't interested. No, people aren't interested because Reading isn't a football town. That's the underlying issue, is that people want to believe that we're a football town, but we're not really. We're Essentially, most of our history has been in the third and fourth tier of mm. English football. And it takes a good few decades to get that history up there. If you look at other clubs, if you look at someone like Norwich, which isn't that much bigger than Reading, but it also has the geographical advantages of the fact there's no other teams around it. But in Reading, we've got so many around us. So I think things like you say, like the food market... And I am friends with Blue Collar Food, so I will mention them. And uh, <laughs> I've got to say, those kind of things do make a difference. Uh, it's a combination of, A, you've got to have wins. B, you've got to have good prices. And C, you've got to make it a good day. And at the moment, going to the Medeski Stadium is not a good day because of all different factors. And those three things are not coming together. You need... Uh, going to mention the role Elm Park development, which I don't think ever is going to happen up at the Medeski Stadium, this £800 million thing from the previous owners. That would make a huge difference because then it would be part of Reading. At the Mm -hmm. moment, it feels like an add-on up there. I mean, away fans hate going to Reading because there's nothing around it. There's no pubs or anything. I mean, why? It, when you have a good day at football, there's a pub involved normally. Yeah. <laughs> yeah going, there's nothing, is there? You have to I drive mean, there, yeah. Yeah, it's, it's okay getting the bus there and everything. But when you had to Elm Park there, you could just walk up there. You had the Spread Eagle. There's nothing, is there, around yeah. that area? Right. I don't know what to do about that, really. They'd make a huge... If someone could build a pub there that was <laughs> walking distance, they'd make a fortune. But it only be, be twenty three days a season. <laughs> what what you almost need is one of those sort of box parks that they those sort yeah. of big container uh, yeah. container parks. I think there's one outside Wembley that I've been to, and um and they just it's just all containers and there's a big bar and a big space and big screens mm. and stuff. And that's sort maybe of maybe there was going to be one of those time at one point. Well, 
Yeah. <laughs> oh. oh well. But yeah, yeah. Just I think um, just to add to that, I think uh, you can have all the uh, attractions you want at the ground, food markets, entertainment, whatever. If you then if you have your lovely gourmet burger before the match and then watch Reading lose three 0 at home to Barnsley, then you're uh, you're uh, you know you're not going to go back, are you? So uh, um, the the success of the of the club and the is is entirely down to playing interesting exciting football winning and looking like they might possibly get into the premier league um that's when you know we saw the increase in season ticket holders when they were in the premier league for those seasons um and not looking like that getting back in since 2013 <laughs> 2013 is that right is that when they they were they were in the premier league for one season and then, and then rather pathetically got relegated without really making too much of an effort to try to stay up um, with a nil-nil draw on the last day of the season. Um, and then they've never looked like even challenging for the play, uh, for the playoffs after that one season under Stam, where arguably the football was also pretty dull as well. Debatable. I know some people like that sort of thing, but I don't. <laughs> no, it was dull. It and, then was really it's gone down, <laughs> and then it's gone downhill, downhill, a succession of generic football league managers um, playing uninteresting football league football, um, and they've avoided relegation, but not even they've not even been involved in that exciting a relegation battle because there's always three worst teams. So it's just <laughs> it's just sort of nothing. The lower mid table safety each year. That's never going to get anyone new along. Just to um, just to finish this bit off uh, with hopefully a little positive. Paul, do you have hope? I always have hope. I'm a very positive person, and I think there's always a chance we could provide a miracle. Um, it would be a miracle if we were to do really well next season, but there's always that glimmer of hope, isn't there? I mean, there we're is. rational. The season that we finished third, uh, the one before that we finished 19th, there's no logic to it at all. I can't see it, though. That's not positive, <laughs> is it? That's really not positive, is it? <laughs> it's all right. It's all right. It's just been on it. <laughs> yeah. Uh, that's it for part one. In part two, we'll be chatting with Martin Edwards about the exciting-looking Caversham Lakes project. The Big Interview I'm here with Martin Edwards, who... Uh, Martin, you are the man behind Caversham Lakes, is that right? Yeah, that's correct. Um, tell, tell me a little bit about it. Well, um, so Caversham Lakes has been something that I've had in the pipeline for well over five years, really. Um, the background is um, mainly open water swimming and stand-up paddleboarding um, that I've been doing for around 20 years, uh, whilst opening and running other lakes in the area. Um, and I just thought and could see that there was still a great big gap in the market in this neck of the woods um and this just amazing bit of paradise which really isn't an understatement um nestled in the in the in the heart of but you know Berkshire countryside um and um it's still very much a project you know um under construction but we're fully open for business and we've been open for nearly a week now what what's it like there what, what have you got on site so currently on site uh we've got a 60 acre lake uh, that uh, and um, which has been um, has got the crystal clear Mediterranean waters, and again, 
I reckon we must be in the top five clearest lakes that I've ever been on, um, certainly in the UK. Um, uh, so there's a beautiful, you know, very safe lake with around 100 metres of beach, uh, sandy beach that's been created uh, to provide for both family um, and everyone else to enjoy. There's also um, swim courses. So we've got 400, 750 and a 1.5 kilometre swim course, uh, which is super accurate. Um, and whether you're a, a, you know, an experienced swimmer or you just want to have some fun, um, the, the lake is there to be, to be enjoyed by all. So it's obviously um, it, it's it seems like a pretty unique uh, unique experience. Can you, what what what's the what's the appeal of um, of sort of open water swimming and that kind of thing? Because I, I'm a I enjoy a swim, but I like to swim in a pool. Yes, definitely. Yeah. Well, um, yeah, I'd say so many more people are embracing the outdoors and uh, and really uh, going back to nature, and that's really where it comes from. Um, the main thing for open water swimming that I have invested over 20 years of my time in is to provide a platform for people to have a safe environment to enjoy if they are um, training or doing some sort of open water swim, but also just feeling uh, safe and and some people getting a fear of being in open water in a safe environment, uh, which then stems very well for anything else they do, either going down to the beach or the sea. What um just just thinking about you yourself, what what started you down this path? Um, well, that goes back uh, a long, long way. Uh, probably when I was probably fourteen, fifteen, sixteen. Um, I've always been big into cycling, um, and I've been um, lucky enough to travel all over the world with uh, with triathlon back in the day. Um, and um, uh, and you know, one person that really helped. Um, helped in my journey originally was a guy called Rick Kittle. Um, Rick's still doing and very much involved with uh, triathlon and open water swimming. And um, and really, yeah, I've just been competitive and uh, just embraced and enjoyed the outdoors for a very long time. So you mentioned that um, that you've you've been working in other sort of similar uh, similar sort of businesses in different places. Where where have you where have you been and what have what have you been doing there? So I would say, um, so back in the day, around 20 years ago, um, myself and actually Rick Kiddle um, opened up really the very first in, inland open water swimming venue, which, you know, which goes, you know, still r- uh, runs to this day. Um, and that was Heron Lake, uh, which is uh, the home of the British Disabled Water Skiing Association. And, um, and so we... Um, we, we stemmed out the journey to um, provide a safe and well-managed environment where people could open water swim in the lake. And, and back in the day, maybe five or 10 people would turn up, um, but we stuck yeah. with it. And, at, you know, early mornings at five in the morning, six in the morning um, for a few years, we got ourselves up to three or four hundred people, um, you know, at each session. Um, many we, of the, we had. Um, sorry, go on. Sorry. No, sorry, carry on. <laughs> no, I was going to say, and actually, just so you know as well, is that a lot of these projects, you know, I don't run them as businesses. They're community projects to really, yeah. um, so they're not profit making. We, we plough everything back into um, providing uh, the safety, the marshalling, the, the water cover um, and everything that's required that actually a lot of the lakes now to this day um, uh, use and operate. And that includes the other lakes that we opened, which were Bray Lake, 
uh, Marlow Lake, Liquid Leisure, the, the list goes on. It's been incredible. Um, so uh, one one of our one of one of the one of the guys on our on our podcast, one of the presenters, Rachel, her husband Richard Nemeth, is very very keen to get down, and he's been on your he's been all over your social media, and he's he has messaged me, and he said um, he said uh, he wanted to know uh, if it's all right if I can ask you this. He said he wanted to know if you had plans for winter swimming, and what plans do you have for the future for Cavisham Lakes? Yeah, it's incredible how um, how. Uh, keen uh, a lot of the cold weather and wild swimming um you know enthusiasts are which is brilliant um so yes is the answer that we're and and without a doubt uh i'm going to stay open for as long as we can to do swimming um throughout the year it may reduce down to just just weekends but without a doubt there's definitely a big enough community to uh to have this provided um and so um hopefully yeah it'll be great to see the uh, you and the others down there at some point um whilst the waters are a bit warmer um (laughs) but um but yeah and the plans for Caversham lakes is predominantly you know a water sports uh swimming and paddle boarding venue uh we're not a uh a power boating we're not a sailing lake um we really want to use um and keep it as natural as possible uh this includes we're uh nature trails where we're working with, uh, it's called Nature Nurture, which are based again around the Berkshire area. Um, I've actually, we've got a designated nature reserve, which we're um, uh, we're enhancing. So it's not at the moment um, a nature reserve by right, but we're ensuring that um, there's, you know, a, a diversity of water, um, water life and uh, wildlife um, in a particular area to provide educa- educational facilities for kids. Um, we're doing camping, which I'm trying to get sorted in a base level in the next three or four weeks. Um, and um, yeah, and much more really. It's just going to be one of those venues that you're just going to want to come back to. Um, yeah. And we keep working on ready for next year, which will be, you know, the big, big year where people will remember where it all started this year. Fantastic, Martin. Now, just um, just talk, talking about yourself, are you, are, you from, are you from around the area? Yeah, well... Um, so I, I'm, as it were, Maidenhead, born and bred. So I would yeah. consider myself to be uh, to be a local. Um, I know the roads and the countryside around here, like the back of my hand, from you know many many days of cycling and uh, training and racing around here. Um, I used to own an events business as well, so I've done many events, you know, in the area um, over the past 10, 15 years. And and it took a while to really. Um, uh, get to a point where I just knew that the timing was just right, um, and um, and fingers crossed, we we we've done that. Has has um has sort of being coming out of this sort of pandemic that we've been going through has ha- had any effect on what you've done? Yeah, I mean, without a doubt, from a social distancing point of view, uh, and systems and procedures that are in place, as with any um, any venue or location. Um, you know that's always going to put restrictions on what you can and can't do but i guess that's just one of the natural things and way of life that we are nowadays so um it's a case of embracing it and making sure that we all act responsibly um but the actual timing of it um probably again was fairly perfect even though I'd, i would have loved to open you know two or three months ago but um but yeah all these things happen for a reason um and uh, it's been really well received in the last five days since we've been open so fingers crossed good stuff just just one final thing i, I guess what uh, obviously the, there's plenty of interest from people who are who are dead keen on on sort of wild swimming and that kind of thing what would you say to someone who 
um, was sort of, oh, I, oh, I don't know. Um, it's a, I, I'm not sure I really fancy that. What, what, would, what would be the thing you'd say to sort of get them involved and get them down there? Um, the first thing I'd say is that um, don't think that the swimming industry or lakes or open water swimming is all about being the best, the, prof- the, the most professional or the quicker swimmer. Um, we have groups of both you know, men and women going around quite happily doing breaststroke around the lake or as far as they want, sometimes only doing 200 metres. And, you know, they're having a chat and a catch up um, and just both enjoying, you know, being outdoors. Um, you're in a perfectly safe environment. We make sure that um, we talk you through and walk you through, um, you know, where to go um, and what to do if you're in trouble. And, you know, just really providing that safety net to, you know, welcome anyone and everyone in, um, you know, to this, uh, to this, to the, you know, great outdoors. Great. Martin, thank you very much for your time. Yeah, no problems. Thanks again. Cheers. The Big Interview. That was our interview with Martin Edwards um, talking about the Caversham Lakes project. Sounds very exciting. Um, Rach, we've already discussed your husband, I think, will be straight up there in his wetsuit. Um, I was thinking, is he going to need like a, a special room for all his open water swimming gear, do you think? Oh, God, don't encourage him, please. <laughs> we've got all the bike paraphernalia and the weights uh-huh. and all sorts already. We don't need Has he got a head, Has he got a head, uh, a head snorkel? Oh no, goggles! That was the other thing. Oh. But a snorkel, we have That's that's a good <laughs> we idea. We need to get a treadmill. Well, I've got a I've treadmill. Got... He needs one of them. Oh, <laughs> they're quite big, Paul. And <laughs> <laughs> at least I could use it then as well. Maybe. Yeah, this is true. This is true. Yeah. Uh, you you wouldn't have to take Zach out for a walk. You could just put him on it. Yeah. Be all right. Ooh, no, it's, it's actually it's gaining in appeal. Actually, just <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> wear the boy out before bedtime. Right, it is now time. It's now time for the random question. The random question. Uh, This week's random question uh, I have the mug, um, and it is basically uh, how will you feel about going back to the office? Um, We had a big discussion about this the other day. We were trying to work out how many of us we could fit into our tiny office. but I suppose, Paul, are you are you a, are you a working man? No, I'm not because of my health conditions. I'm not. But my girlfriend does work at home permanently, and yeah. uh, she works in IT. So she's currently upstairs uh, working away, <laughs> saving the country from uh, Russian attacks as we speak. <laughs> <laughs> and um, uh, might be slightly overblowing her role. There, but <laughs> it's um, no home office. It's just it's amazing, isn't it? It's going to change the world, isn't it? Because all these offices we've got in Reading now, yeah, you just look at Station Hill and think, oh, that's probably not going to happen again, isn't it? No, you do. You uh, well, yeah, I, I was thinking this the other day. Are they are these all these companies who have permission to build offices and even uh, on the grounds that Crossrail is going to make travel into London fantastic, and they're they want to be in Reading and other places in Berkshire and then the whole working world will change completely and everyone will be at home and no one will be commuting into London. Um, so leading to big empty 
office blocks everywhere. I, I, I don't know. I don't know what they what these people be thinking, really. Be worried, wouldn't you? <laughs> we already had quite a few empty office buildings in Reading, didn't we? This is true. Yeah, a lot of uh, old empty offices have been converted into housing now um, for, oh, for yeah. all these people who want to move, want to live close to the train station because they commute into London every day. Oh, wait, no, hang on. <laughs> um, so who knows what's going to happen on that front? We'll have to, the commuter town may be not a thing in five years' time. On a plus side, it could be a, an option for uh, a new place for a police station in Central Reading. Oh, well. oh that's true. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Could be. Have their pick of the bunch, won't they? Yeah. Yeah. You find the Thames Tower. <laughs> <laughs> um, Rach, I know you you you've spent a lot of time working from home. Um, you come into the office once a when we were. You were coming in once a week to see us to do the podcast. How are you feeling about going back? Would you want to spend more time at the office? Are you sick of home? Um, well, like you said, I've been, I've been working home at home for a few years, but it always was nice to have a change of scenery at least once a week to come into the office. Um, also quite handy if I needed to grab any bits in town. It mm. meant that I didn't then have to go in at the weekend. Um, so yeah like we were talking about the other day I think we could probably organize our office because it's so tiny in the first place that we could probably get one two three perhaps four of us in at a time and still be quite spread out enough to be safe Um, I think I think I'd probably be quite keen to do that to be honest because I'm getting a bit sick of the the same four walls and the same view day after yeah. day after day. Um, Rich looks after Zach a couple of days during the week, so he'd probably be quite glad to have me out of the way as well. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, so, I, you know, I, I don't feel nervous or scared about of going into the office. I think perhaps because, you know, I've been taking Zach to school or to the park and things like that. I feel a little bit more confident about going out now. Um, it's just whether the company would let us, because at the minute we're yeah. still not allowed, are we? Yeah. Um, it, I, yeah, I'm not sure what the what the current advice is, but they've said October, which mm. seems like an absolute age away. Yeah. Uh, um, Hugh, I know uh, I, I have visited that room that you are sat in that we can see, and it's very dark in there. It's... It's very uh, dark, and as you can see, it's very warm outside, and I'm still wearing a jumper. It, <laughs> it's always cold. Um, it, when it in when it was properly cold in in March and April, I had to have a, a heater on full blast. But even now, if I was to take my jumper off, I would start getting uncomfortably cold. It's quite it's quite a shock when I go outside. The difference is that is that great. Um, but yeah, from my point of view, in terms of the office, I'm I'm kind of torn. I can do not you know most things that I would do in the office here, but it it in terms of just popping out and having a look round Reading, seeing if the, what's new, seeing what's happening, um, if there's anything any incidents in the town centre that you know we get calls all the time. saying, so, did you know the fire fire the fire crews are up at usually somewhere in Broad Street, usually the fire alarm's going off by by accident and that's about as exciting as it gets. But just stuff like that you can nip out to. Um, we can't really do any more. Um, 
and just noticing things like planning applications being stuck in windows and new shops and all that sort of stuff that you you will not be able to from just from wandering around wandering around is a vastly under underrated way of finding new stories so can't do and of that course now. you're having shed withdrawal symptoms as well massive shed withdrawal symptoms yeah i'm gonna have to email him and ask him how to make a big cheese i think <laughs> um but yeah you know having a nice bit of something nice for lunch we've got a nice little baguette shop in the village we go to occasionally but just popping out for lunch for a wander around and going to the food market and all that sort of stuff. It's nice. That's one of the nice things about Big Town. Obviously, I'm not missing driving in and out of Reading every day and paying to park. Um, but, uh, I yeah, I don't know what the future will bring for us, but um, there are many pros of working at home, but it would be nice to be able to have, have a base in town as, as well. That's what I'd say. And to see our faces in, in person. To see your well, faces. In the, yes, that, this is true, yeah. And, to get out of this room and out of this house as well. <laughs> what well, is a bit weird, isn't it? When you finish work and you're like, oh, home time. Oh, I'm already at home. <laughs> so you transfer yourself from downstairs to upstairs or something like that. And, and someone says, oh, just put a wash on or do wash it up or, you know, rather than maybe going, going out for a wander around town after work or a, a drink feel, or something. I feel like she's just unloaded uh, a load of pent-up uh, <laughs> pent aggression there. Yeah, um, yeah. My, my day is get up and start my shift at seven, finish my sh shift at around three, and then do the washing up. And I've done that every single day, pretty much the entire time I've been working at home. <laughs> Should we steer it away from his domestic yes. gripes? <laughs> not better. Yeah. No, not at I all. I think we might need to put a helpline out now. <laughs> <laughs> Washing up, help tired of washing up. Yeah. Um, <laughs> thanks ever so much, guys. Uh, if you would like to get in touch with us about any of the topics we've discussed today, here is Jeremy with how you can talk to us. Get in touch with the team. Email hello at realreadingpodcast.co.uk. Find us on Twitter and Instagram at realreadingpod. And join our Facebook group by searching Real Reading Podcast. Thanks, Jeremy. That is quite enough for this week. Uh, Paul Mann, thank you ever so much for joining us. Um, we will hopefully have you back as a guest host. Would you like to come back? I thought we'd put you yeah. on the spot while you're uh, uh, while you're here and you can't say yeah, no. Yeah, Paul, would you like to come back? No. Yeah, I could drop you massively in here, Tom, couldn't I? I've had a rubbish time. No, thank you, Tom. <laughs> Surprised me that we don't talk about swimming so much. <laughs> yeah, to track traffic next time, then Paul. Sorry. Yeah, yeah well, I got to say, and also the mention of the thirtieth party as well. <laughs> Definitely agreed. No, I really enjoyed it. Thanks for inviting me. Good. Well, as I say, thanks for thanks for joining us. Uh, you can find Paul on at Elm Park Royals on Twitter. Um, what's the Facebook address, Paul? Uh, it's uh, at Firm, uh, for, uh, Elm Park Rolls the same. They're all the same on different sides, yeah. Go uh, go look up. And uh, Rach, Hugh, thanks ever so much for, uh, for joining me today. Um, we'll be back next week. Bye! Bye. You're listening to The Real Reading Podcast.